Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. The, the common theme that we have emphasized all through the book is that in spite of present troubles, God is by now, you should know it by heart, because I've repeated it to you time and time again. That in spite of present troubles, God is still in control. And He would be victorious. But we would not only survive, we would what? Thrive. We would not only survive, we would also what? Flourish. So in spite of present troubles, God is in control and he would have the victory. And not only would we survive, we would thrive. Not only would we survive, we would flourish. Hallelujah. So you see Daniel, you see his friends, they are promoted in exile. They flourish. They, they didn't just escape by their hair and that's it. No, they, they continue to grow. To grow. They were, they were promoted in many regards. Alright. So, we're in Daniel chapter what? We ended Daniel chapter 5 on Sunday, right? Yes. And so, what we describe as being the consistent focus of the first five narratives of the book of Daniel, and we come to the last one today, which is Daniel chapter 6. So, remember, um, the book of Daniel is divided into six first parts, which are in the narrative form, that's the genre of writing. And then we have another six, which is what? Apocalyptic literature, all right, where maybe you've tried to read it and you just don't understand what is going on, you know, where Daniel is describing some vision. So this is the last story in the first six chapters. And so Darius is king. But I remember ending in chapter five, telling you about Cyrus the Persian, who was going to come and attack Babylon and conquer Babylon. And that's where the king, Belshazzar, came and then he took the vessels of God's, you know, of, of, the, of the temple, the sacred ones that were kept in their own temple now, and he used it to eat and used it, you know, for different feasts that were unto their own God. And there was a high handwriting on the wall, you know, to judge him, you know, and then that night he died. Amen. So, um, in the history, you might get confused because how then does Darius come to the picture, right? Because if it was Cyrus the Persian who conquered Babylon, then who is Darius? Well, some people have different speculations of that. Number one, something that Darius might be the true name for Cyrus. You know how a king might have a normal name, but then there is a true name, meaning like as a king, they call him a different name like Pharaoh. Pharaoh is not the name of the king, you know, and different Pharaohs exist. So when we were small, we were talking about Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is not the name of the person. Pharaoh is the title. So you see, Pharaoh is maybe like a kingly name that they call them. It's the title. You know, but some also have names that they call them as kings that every of their, you know, some they probably rename them or every subsequent king bears that name. You know, but that's the first assumption we might have as to who Darius is. There are two pronunciations of Darius. Some people say, you know, Darius, and some say Darius. I'll probably just say Darius. You know. But there's another solution, and another solution is that some people think he is a figure who, you know, was ruling on behalf of Cyrus. 
So you know how they would conquer a territory and put someone else in charge? That might be who Darius is. But I mean, whichever it is, it doesn't affect the meaning of the text. What we know is that in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Now remember backstory, Daniel now is the third highest ruler in Babylon. So, in verse 2, it says, And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, it says, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. In verse 3, it says, that this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Hallelujah. I think that one thing we must know about these men and their time in exile is that there had always been an excellent spirit on them. They had always acted different from the other people. Different because there's something that marks them. Something that makes them stand out. In verse 4 he says, So the governor and satrap sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault. Because he was faithful. So now they're looking for something bad about him. What has Daniel done wrong that we can use against him? He couldn't find. The Bible says, nor was there any fault found in him. In verse 5, and then this man said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the laws of his God. So why was Daniel that excellent? Because he honored God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Why was he, what was his integrity where it needed to be? Because he honored God. So now they searched through him to find something to pull him down. They couldn't. They said, you know what, it's because of his God. So unless we find something against him as regards to his God, we can't find anything against him. So verse 6, the Bible says, so what you're beginning to see first of all is the comparison, the parallels between the stories. Because now, this is Daniel, but there's a parallel between this story and the Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, right? Same thing is happening. These guys are standing out. They're doing well. Some people are looking for something to use against them to bring them down. And so, here, the same thing is happening. So, in verse 6, says, So these governors and satraps strung before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lions, into the den of the lions. So, you see what they are doing here? They are using this to sort of soothe the emotion, the, the ego of the king. No other person. Nobody should try to worship any god except you or through you. Now, we don't know if the goal is that they are trying to set Darius up as a king. Maybe not. Or they are trying to say Darius is a, it should be the mediator between them and their gods. We don't know. But now these guys are saying, let's do this. And in Darius's own situation, 
in verse 8, it says, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persian, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So, now, I feel like Darius was ambushed. You know that kind of thing? You know how they used to whine? They say, oh, so you're going to take that. You know, you know that kind of thing? So, they're like, you know what, Darius? Say that nobody should do this except through you. They are looking for something to pull Daniel down with. But what we see here, first of all, is that Daniel had such a great integrity that they could not find anything against him. As he, do you know what that means? That you searched and searched and searched and searched and found nothing to bring Daniel down with, except if it has to do with his God. That's powerful. And that's the kind of integrity you have to have in exile. Hallelujah. Amen. They are jealous of his rights and growth, but they couldn't find anything against him. So they went as a group. You know, the Bible says that they went as a group, and that implies there was a conspiracy. We can't find anything. Well, in verse 10, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as his custom since early days. Listen, this means that Daniel was not protesting. He was always doing this. I get what I say. Opening up his window to pray is not saying, ah, I want to protest. Why did you do that? No. It was his custom to pray. It was just that Daniel is saying, I'm not going to stop because of your decree. I've always done this. So he opened his window towards where? Towards Jerusalem. And an interesting fact is, you know, things like this are lifted through the Old Testament. For example, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 35, the Bible says, When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against you, when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you have them, then hear from heaven, forgive the sins of your servant. This is Solomon speaking at the dedication of his temple. He says, When they turn from their sins and they turn towards you, and they turn towards this place. It says, hear from heaven. I get what I'm saying. Hear from heaven. Forgive their sins. It says, you may teach them in the good way what they should walk. So, there have always been this mindset of praying facing Jerusalem because of the sacred things that they had seen happen there. I, I get what I'm talking about. And so, it was that all through the place. And this might have been the mindset also because at the time Daniel was praying, Jerusalem had been destroyed. But it still might mean that they, there was some sacredness that they held towards the, the location. So now he's facing Jerusalem to pray. But we're seeing that it's a habitual thing. Daniel did not go to the street and say, Okay, king, because he said this. No. He was in his house. Are you learning something? In verse 11, the Bible says, Then the men assembled and found Daniel praying and making. The Bible says they found him praying. Meaning they were looking for him. Are, are you getting this? Meaning someone was in his house. And you went to look for him. That this guy, I know he will pray. They went to meet him there. Probably said spies or however they would have done it. And then they saw him. So this man, when they were looking for him, he's doing it in his house, not outside. They are the ones looking for him. Daniel, we must be in trouble. So, 
in exile, you might not be looking for trouble, but trouble might be looking for you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So, now, Daniel, similar to that story, refused. Because he probably saw it as idolatry. Why will I be bowing towards the king or bringing my submission towards the king or stopping my worship of God because of anybody? So, like those boys, he took a stand. Well, as usual, they took the case to the king. Similar to those other stories as well. And in verse 2 of the Bible says, And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So you see what, what I'm saying here? They are going to now meet the king to say, you know what, you said this should not happen. So it's now as, as though they are using the law to tie the hands of the king. But now you begin to notice the difference between Nebuchadnezzar and Darius. Because in 13 they said, so answered, so they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives of Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you've signed. But makes petition three times a day. And the king, when he had the words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. Do you see that? You see, these are two different instances. In Nebuchadnezzar's time, his response was not to set his heart to deliver Daniel. Neither was Belteshazzar or Belshazzar rather to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But now Darius has his heart set on, on finding ways to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then this man approached the king and said, King, he says, no, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So now his hands are tied. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him to the den of the lion. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar who says, let's see what God can deliver you. Darius says, your God, oh God. This is a statement of surety. Your God will deliver you. Well, I don't know the history behind it, but I feel like maybe Darius has heard of the God of Daniel. Maybe he has seen the excellent way that Daniel has walked. Maybe he has heard the story of Shadrach and of Meshach and of Abednego and the things that they have done. Maybe he has heard that those Hebrew people, those Hebrew boys, those Israel boys, those boys from Judah, don't play with them because the excellent spirit of the Lord rests in them. Oh, they can interpret dream. And when it comes to the affairs of our land, they are very wise that they can handle it. Just maybe Darius has heard that is Babylon that you conquer. There's a man called Daniel there. He doesn't walk ordinarily. And, and Darius would have walked with him because Daniel was one of the governors who the satraps reported to. So just maybe, just maybe Daniel, rather than rebelling against God, has seen that the God that Daniel serves is a great God. He's a higher God than any other. He says, your God, 
who you serve, he will what? He will deliver you. And in verse 17, the Bible says, Then the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the dead, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lord, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, so he did not eat. No musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. In verse 19. It says, Then the king that rose early in the morning, so the king was the first person that woke up. He's running to the lion's den. And then when he got there, he cried out with a lamenting voice Daniel, servant of the living God. Aye. So Darius knows that Daniel serves the living God. He says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Well, maybe Darius was considering, is Daniel's God really powerful? I've heard stories of him, but let's see. Then Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel well, like the fourth man in the fire, and the fire furnace. There's an angel. He says, My God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they did not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, King, I have done nothing wrong before you. Well, what Daniel is proposing here is something historically um, called trial by audience. So, um, if you do something wrong, trial by audience is that, for example, you'll be thrown into a river. If you survive, it meant you were innocent. If you die, then it meant you did it. So, in, in near, um, near Eastern history, alright, um, you know, trial by audience was done a lot more Frequently, where they'll do something like that just to check, you know, the opposite. Anyways, let me not talk about that. But it, it was done more, 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 more frequently where they would throw people or put them through a hard time, and if they survive it, you know, it meant that the gods wanted to protect them in quotes. You know, and if they didn't, it meant that maybe they did that thing and they needed to suffer. Well, Daniel is saying, I didn't do it, so my God has protected me in that sense, even though he's not implying that God always does trial by audio. I'm just telling you the mindset behind, you know, trial by audio. And so, in verse 23, the Bible says, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take up Daniel out of the dead. But guess what? He says, When Daniel was taken and no injury was found on him because he believed in his God, the king gave the command and brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the lion's den with their children <laughs> and with their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones. So guess what? It's not because the lions were not hungry. They were actually hungry. It was actually God that not let them kill Daniel. So now, these guys are thrown in. And in verse 25, Darius wrote, Then King Darius wrote, To all people, nation, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble 
and fear before who? The God of Daniel. Hi. Do you see how this guy is allowing God to be glorified in their life? He's allowing God ultimately to be glorified. It says, for he is the living God. And steadfast forever. You know, I believe that for them to have even been able to see God as the living God, they've seen the God that can act. He's the living God. He's the one true God. It means the others are dead. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. Do you believe that? Say, he delivers and he rescues. Say, he delivers and he rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered and reigned in Darius and reigned of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So this is a second decree. The first decree is don't worship any other god for thirty days except me. The second is now worship the god of Daniel. This ends the sixth stories that follow the same pattern in spite of present troubles God is in control and he will not only survive he will thrive he will not only survive he will what? flourish he will flourish he will flourish I urge you to meditate on the first six chapters of the book of Daniel and I want you to spend some time praying and building convictions in your heart to be able to stand for God. Because those tests will come and those trials will come. And I want you to even think right now as you sit on your seats. If there is in any way where rather than stand for your faith, you've compromised. Is it in a job? Is it in your career? Is it in other ways where you could have taken a stand for God and allowed God to be glorified and you've not? Well, I want to encourage you because there will be many opportunities and it's not going to be easy. Amen. And we're not going to respond emotionally to the things. We're going to respond spiritually to the things. We're going to have to be strong in our faith that we can answer questions. We're going to be strong in our faith that we can go out and evangelize and talk to people about the message. But we're also going to do our best that an excellent spirit might be found in us. Not that there's a new spirit, but it's the excellency of the spirit I'm talking about. That the excellency of the spirit might be found in us. And the excellency of the spirit of God might be present in all the things we do. And that we are conscious of it when we walk in the things we do, when we associate with people. And they don't say, oh, because of us, our God is put to shame. No, but rather because of us, our God is glorified. Hallelujah. Because of me, my God is glorified. Because of me, my God is glorified. And that's the mindset we must have. We're going to pray. But I want you to just pray this one prayer that we've always prayed. But I want you to pray it from a new look. Saying, God, make your name, make a name for yourself in my life in this city. Make a name for yourself in my life in this country. Make a name for yourself, Jesus, through my life.
stand for your word. I wish the trials to stand for your word. I wish the persecution. Help us to be the nation. Help us to be the nation. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we 